SoSilo Radio. Listening to Till Shiloh Radio, where we discuss human history from a biblical perspective. My name is Rihanna, and I hope everyone had a lovely week. Um, I am going to jump right in. So if you listened to last week's episode, I began to discuss the antediluvian era, which was the era before the Great Flood. Um, in this area, we talked about the creation of the Nephilim, which were known as the ever-popular demigods in the ancient days. Um, we also talked about how the world became totally chaotic and corrupt within the ten, gen- like the first ten generations. <laughs> we talked about how the world became so chaotic um, and corrupt within the first ten generations of human existence, which all started through the lineage of Cain. You know, who was the son of Adam and Eve, the one who murdered his younger brother. So. Oh, yeah, and we also linked the seven sciences of Freemasonry to the lineage of Cain as well, where the Bible tells us who in his lineage fathered these sciences. So it was a pretty hefty week. We did cover a lot of information, um, and it was just the beginning of it. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, I highly recommend you doing so because I will be moving forward and continuing on where I left off last week. So before I start going ham and diving in deep, I want to talk about what these next few episodes will be about. So I'm just trying to show everyone, you know, how everything is hidden right in front of our faces. You know, there's a big and very long chain of events connecting uh, secret societies and conspiracy theories and aliens as well. You know, myths and lost civilizations, you know, they all fit into one big bowl. And this giant chain leads all the way to the end time prophecies and the bloodline of the Antichrist. So, I mean, I know it's kind of dark, you know, it's a dark topic, but my reason for starting my podcast, you know, on this topic was so that we would all be aware of what and who is at work when we are exposed to certain things. You know, you guys will be able to see the motives more clearly. As I said before, you can't get ahead of the game if you don't even know what the game is or what game you're playing, you know. So history repeats itself and due to the world events that's happening right now, you know, especially spiritually, it looks like we've come a full circle back to the beginning. The same beginning that led the antediluvian people to the very first apocalypse, which was the Great Flood. So like I said, we did get through quite a bit last week and we were able to put together how humanity lost their marbles completely in chaos and violence. But I ended last week's episode talking about how the Bible just slides in there ever so smoothly that the angels interfered with the human genetic code and created these hybrid beings. But the question is why? Why have children with humans and what will be the motive to creating a new species? When you go all the way back to the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, um, you know, and you read about the consuming of the forbidden fruit, um, which was the knowledge of good and evil, something very, very particular was said to the serpent that I feel like everybody looks over. So I just want to read Genesis 3, verses 13 to 15. And it says here, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So the Most High says he will put enmity. This word is translated from the Hebrew word Ava, which literally means the same thing. It means hatred. So God is going to put hatred between him and the woman and between Satan's offspring and the woman's offspring. Right? So the serpent will have a seed and so will the woman Eve, which we already know because from Eve is from who all humanity was born. But what is interesting about this verse is that we get the first ever prophecy of the Messiah, Yahshua. So now the enemy knows that someone from the seed of the woman or out of humanity will come to destroy him. This is a major clue as to why these fallen angels would resort to having children with human women. So if a savior is coming from humanity and they stop this by interfering with the creation as God created it and they corrupt the human genetic code, they're thinking they could prevent the Messiah from coming from the pure creation of God. See, we tend to forget this war. It's a lot greater than just us. Remember, this war is against God and those who choose to call him Yahweh and recognize him to be king and creator of everything that exists. Satan hates us, but would rather us follow his will. He knows his fate, and as much of us as he can take down with him, he will do. He's so jealous of the creator. It's kind of like a, like a, oh, look at me, ha ha ha. Even those you choose to love so much, choose me instead and follow me. You know, it's, it's really, really sad and heartbreaking when you think about it, especially to God. So the enemy gets a scoop that someone from humanity is coming to crush his head. They're coming to end him, to take him all the way out. So I'm sure just like anyone else, if you hear someone is coming to beat you up, you're either going to take that beat down or square up and fight. Or you'll just run home and hide. But, you know, Satan doesn't really have the option to do so since his home was created by the one who he's at war with. But in all seriousness, he's essentially going to prepare for war. So now regarding the Messiah, Yahshua was prophesied to come from a virgin and be fully God and man at the same time. And because God is pure and can't come from anything corrupt, the logic behind destroying the human genetic code to prevent this prophecy makes complete sense. But clearly this plan didn't work because God still saved humanity through Noah, who didn't get involved in the Nephilim drama. Josephus mentions in The Antiquity of the Jews that Noah was very uneasy at what the fallen angels had done. And he was very upset at their conduct and tried to persuade them to change their ways and their acts for the better. But seeing that they didn't yield to him because they were slaves to their wicked pleasures, he was afraid they will kill him. So together with his wife and his children and whoever his children chose to marry, they got up and they left. They bounced. They left that area. So the term watcher is known as a specific rank of angel. If you've read the book of Enoch, then you've read where he speaks of the watchers that took wives from the mortal men, which created giants. So these watchers created these new humanoids who became the forgotten race, which is written off today as myth and legend. Josephus also confirmed this act by saying, and I'm going to quote, 
for many sons of God accompanied with women and begat sons that proved unjust and despisers of all that was good on account of the confidence they had in their own strength. For the tradition is that these men did what resembled the acts of those who the Greeks called giants. The book of Enoch goes on to say about the same act. It says here, and I'm going to quote, they, who are the angels, transgressed the word of the Lord, the law of heaven. And behold, they commit sin and transgress the commandments. They have united themselves with women and commit sin together with them. And upon the earth, they shall give birth to giants, not of the spirit, but of the flesh. In ancient history, the antediluvian understanding that the fallen angels procreate with humans, it clearly wasn't strange to them, and it wasn't an unknown doctrine. But this fact has been pushed aside by modern Christianity. Now, I know people say that the sons of gods were human because of the New Testament, but it's clear that the sons of God in the Old Testament were not human. They meant angels, but the New Testament, it definitely 100% speaks of humans as gods or sons of God, sorry. See, sons of God in the New Testament applies to the people of the New Covenant, just like children of God does. So this represented those who accepted Yahshua as the Messiah. This title, the children of God or sons of God, was enacted at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit sealed that new covenant. The Apostle Paul encouraged believers in the book of Romans not to live by the flesh, but in the spirit, because those led by the spirit are the sons of God. But this was said in a figurative sense. So it's like we become the adopted children of God and a joint heir with Yahshua. This is supported in Galatians, John, Philippians, and also 1 John. Nelson's Bible Dictionary also supports this New Testament version of sons of God, but it does go on to say that the sons of God were a part of the covenant relationship recorded in Isaiah, but they also know that this sons of God phrase does not appear as the same meaning in the Old Testament, but it's implied. For example, God calls um, the scattered people of Israel his sons and daughters in Isaiah 43, verse 6. In Hosea chapter 1, verse 10, it basically says the same thing. I'm going to quote here. It says here, Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. They will be called the children of the living God. But both Isaiah and Hosea, they're telling, they're telling prophecies here concerning the era and after when Israel and Judah will be united under one leader, Yahshua the Messiah. This is the prophecy that we would become the sons of God as well in the future. So the Old Testament speaks of angels as the son of God and the New Testament, it speaks of the elevated angel status that will occur in the end and final reign of the Messiah. There's also been debate on whether angels are even capable of having sex because of what is said in the New Testament in the book of Matthew, uh, specifically chapter 22, verse 30, 30, where it says that there would be no marriage after the resurrection of the saints into eternity when we will become like the angels in heaven. But Genesis 6 states that the angels did marry. Also in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians says something very interesting. So I want to read that passage with you. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 6 to 10 says, 
for if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought to not cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Hmm. That's quite strange. Angels? Because of the angels? What does the angels have to do with anything? It says the woman needs to have power over her own head because of the angels. Interesting. This coincides with Genesis saying how these angels, well, fallen angels, were eyeing up the women and taking who they wanted, which led to the Nephilim creation. But it's obvious the Bible doesn't flat out say that the angelic realm has any sexual capabilities, but it doesn't shut it down neither. It just states that things like marriage don't happen or have a place in heaven. So this leaves the door open to the idea that the angels are capable of having sex outside of heaven in the world of flesh, even though they weren't authorized to do so. See, humans are allowed to have sex because we are mortal and we need to reproduce. Obviously, if we don't, then we'll disappear. Okay, in the book of Enoch, I want to read a little passage. So it says, Because they, the humans in creation on earth, perish, I have given them wives so they might impregnate them and have children and have nothing lacking on earth. But you were spiritual and immortal for all generations of the world. So I gave you no wives, for heaven is your proper dwelling place. This states the reason why angels aren't to do as the humans do, because they belong in heaven. But these angels are the fallen ones on earth, the rebellious ones. So in the Zohar, which was the first translation of the Kabbalah, which is a system of, you know, Jewish mystics, which was practiced practiced by mystics and wizards in Europe, it states that angels don't have a gender, but they could adopt one. Um, Lewis Ginsburg, who wrote The Legends of the Bible, he also mentions these shape-shifting um, angels saying that they lost their transcendent qualities while on earth and they took on terrestrial or earthly bodies so they could mate with females. Um, another book, the Kebra Nagast, which was a sacred text to the Ethiopian Christians. Um, it retells the stories of much earlier biblical times, beginning with Adam to the rise of the Solomon dynasty. But it says in there that it was the daughter of Cain that these fallen angels sinned with. And when the women were unable to bring forth these hybrid children, they died. And the hybrid children or Nephilim, um, who were in their womb, some died, but some lived and the babies were born. And I quote, by splitting the bellies of their mothers, they came forth by their navels. And when they were grown up, they became giants. Lord have mercy. Imagine, imagine. Oh my God, how brutal that would have been. And if the women couldn't survive, it's clear that these angels weren't taking these women because they loved them. It was solely focused on bringing forth these monster babies. So these mothers, their bodies weren't even capable to bear them. And the babies were the babies that were born were brought out through cesarean births. All these non-biblical accounts support and reference the same story and conclusion in Genesis 6. 
These giants were well known in many ancient cultures. Um, it was known by the Egyptians, the Romans, Greeks, and the Mesopotamian peoples. All old cultures have many stories of these famous demigods, or like the Bible calls them, heroes of old, men of renown. Um, the most famous of these Nephilim or demigods uh, were Hercules and Perseus and Jason. They were all known as dragon slayers. And in the Mesopotamian tablets, you had Gilgamesh and the Anunnaki, Enki, and all of those guys, right? So in these tablets, there are a whole lot of giants and angels and humans and sexual activity going on between them all. God clearly was not okay with this violation in his creation. Um, in the book of Enoch, he locked away these fallen angels in the abyss, the ones that committed this act. Um, he locked them up away until the time of judgment. And these angels are the same ones that Yahshua preached to after he was crucified in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19. See, after Eve ate the fruit, humankind had gotten an immortal spirit, and the immortal spirit was taken away. This is what God said when he said, you will surely die if you eat of the fruit. He meant they would become mortal, which obviously ends in death. But the immortal spirit of God was put into a new race by the fallen angels, which is why you would see God, which is why you see God intervene and shorten the lifespan to 120 years. Remember, before this situation, Adam and the branch of Seth, his son, they were living all the way up to 900 years before, but God shut it down because of the hybrid creation and the evil being done on earth. Remember, this creation of these Nephilim was so that they could live forever like gods because they had immortal spirits from their fallen parents. Nephilim were able to have children, but the children became more and more flesh beings, not like the spirit, like the first original couple generation Nephilim were. In the book of Enoch, it talks about the spirit of the Nephilim after their physical bodies had perished. It says, and now giants, the offspring of spirit and flesh will be called spirits on earth and the earth shall be their home. Their bodies emitted evil spirits because they were born from human women and holy watchers. So basically, evil spirits remained on earth from them, made to haunt the earth, since their spirit has no home after death. Um, they don't have a home in heaven, so they roam until the time of judgment, where they will be thrown in the lake of the fire. So these Nephilim roaming immortal spirits are now the bodiless giants, which we know as demons. These demons are the same ones documented in the New Testament, and they are known today as messengers and servants of the devil. Satan is their ruler. And a lot of these cultures worship spirits of these Nephilim. So it's safe to say that the Nephilim race was obviously not an ordinary race of humanoid. They made such an impact on all ancient cultures that it even made it into the Bible as the heroes of old men of renown and before and even after the flood. And according to Josephus, it was common knowledge of these ancient times. People knew that the giants descended from these fallen angels. And this belief was even upheld by Christianity until the modern era. This has been tucked away and not talked about in hopes that it will not be mentioned so it could stay hidden. The Bible confirms that there was giants all throughout scripture and the most famous being in Numbers where it calls out the Nephilim and their size, where it says all the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the sons of Anak and there we seemed like grasshoppers. 
Anak and his descendants were all Nephilim, FYI. There were also references in the apocryphal books of Wisdom, Sirach, and Baruch. There's too much evidence stating that this is how the Nephilim came to be. And it shows that in Genesis 6, that the sons of God that got with the women were indeed angels and not the righteous seed of Seth, like mainstream Christianity says. In the last episode, I mentioned that the righteous lineage of Adam from Seth continued to worship Yahweh as the creator of the universe up until the seventh generation. But things got so insane over on the lineage of Cain that even the righteous people fell into the trap. We said last episode something huge had to be happening in order for them to get sucked in, which I believe was the birth of these demigods. And remember, these beings were worshipped as gods, and people, I'm sure, were in awe of them. But the one Nephilim that connects most ancient cultures together was Poseidon. Poseidon had five sets of twins, so in total ten children, with these daughters of men, or daughters of Cain, and his children grew up to be the titans that ruled over the continent of Atlantis. Atlantis is known as being a mythological civilization, but Atlantis was... Or, I mean, like, it is the source of most pantheistic cultures. But what's interesting with Atlantis is that Freemasons, they want to recreate the antediluvian Atlantean Age of Enlightenment. See, Atlantis was famous for being the world government in the antediluvian era. It had ten governments with ten kingdoms and ten kings. So, guys, this is where the inspiration for the New World Order comes from. They want to reincarnate this Atlantis era where fallen angels had regular relations with humans. And this is the root of the entire conspiracy that these people running the world are planning right now. mentioned earlier in the famous passage in numbers which was after the flood that the israelites compared themselves to these nephilim and called themselves grasshoppers compared to their size like imagine to be standing next to something that ginormous where us humans look like grasshoppers compared to them holy moly So Anak was a strain of giant that survived the flood and lived in the country of Palestine, which the Bible calls the land of Canaan before the conquest by Israel. So these things weren't called giants because they were a little taller. They were called giants because they were literally like monsters. So King Og of the Amorites in the Bible was a giant and he owned a bed that was more than 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. Um, He was described in legends as being so tall that only water touched his ankles and all of his beds were made from iron to support his weight since he would crush anything else. So if he was 13 feet tall, we can guess through the intermingling with humans that these Nephilim probably became shorter and shorter over time the more they procreated with humans. So when you think about it, the original, original pure offspring Nephilim in Genesis must have been terrifying. Like they must have been humongous. So in order for these titans to support their size and their weight, they most likely were bioengineered differently than humans so they could support themselves or else they wouldn't have really been known as these scary, mighty heroes 
of these ancient times. They probably would have just been considered deformed and uncoordinated creatures. Um, and basically, these Nephilim would have just been like ancient deformed freak shows. So Josephus gives a really rare insight on the description of these Nephilim, and he talks about how the faces of the giants were totally different from humans, and the Nephilim were actually scary to look at, just like they were awful to listen to, which would make sense because I can't imagine these monstrous, ginormous beings, like imagine how loud their voices would be due to their size. Josephus, he goes on to say that the Nephilim were so horrible to look at, just like their serpentine fathers had been, for they both possessed the face of a viper, a snake. He goes on to state that the bones of the Nephilim were kept on public display for all to look at, and they were even still on display in his days. And Josephus was alive between 37 and 100 AD, so people were well aware in these ancient days of these Nephilim. So the Nephilim are mentioned all throughout the Old Testament, and they reappear a lot every time with different names. Um, for example, here, Deuteronomy and Numbers, they list the many names of these Nephilim races in the post-Diluvian era. So for example, here, I want to read Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. Um, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass the Moabites or provoke them for war, for I will not give you any part of their land. I have given heir to the descendants of Lot as a possession. And it says in brackets, the Emites used to live there, a people strong and numerous and tall as the Anakites. Like the Anakites, they were too considered Rephites, but the Moabites called them Emites. The Horites used to live in Seir, but the descendants of Esau drove them out. They destroyed the Horites from before them and settled in their place just as Israel did in the land that the Lord gave them as their possession. Deuteronomy goes on further to say about these giants. It says, When you come to the Ammonites, do not harass them or provoke them for war. For I will not give you the possession of any land belonging to the Ammonites. I have given it as a possession to the descendants of Lot. And then it says in brackets, that too was considered a land of the Rephites who used to live there, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumites. They were a people strong and numerous and as tall as the Anakites. The Lord destroyed them from before the Ammonites who drove them out and settled in their place. The Lord had done the same for the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir when he destroyed the Horites before them. They drove them out and lived in their place to this day. And as for the Avites, who lived in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaphorites, the coming out of Kaphor, destroyed them and, their set and settled in their place. So this is just talking about this area. There was a little area here, clearly, full of these little Nephilim and what they were calling each other and all that stuff. So these Nephilim didn't only survive the flood, but continued on as their own race. So in the passage, it said that the Emites used to live there, a people strong and numerous and as tall as the Anakites. Like the Anakites, they too were considered Rephites, but the Moabites called them Evites. So the definition of Anak meant long-necked giant, so long that the sun touched their necks. 
and Rephaim translates as causing one's heart to grow weak at a glance. Ooh, dark. These Nephilim resembled their fathers, who were the fallen angels, that possessed the face of a viper, which were serpents known as seraphim. And seraphim are mentioned in the Bible. They are known to be the highest rank of angel. So these seraphim angels, they look like snakes. So that's why it makes sense that Satan took on this form when he tricked Eve in Eden. In the Gnostic Gospels that describe these serpent-like angels, um, they say that they had faces that were long and narrow, with prominent cheekbones and thin lips and slanted eyes, similar to aliens. And their offspring looked just like them. And they described them as, as having gold-colored eyes and rough white skin. So long-headed skulls dating back to before the flood have been discovered in Sumeria and Egypt, proving again this viper-like structure of the Nephilim. Another random fact that I found interesting regarding the genetics and appearance of these Nephilim was that the Aztecs and the Mayans in Central America and also the Scythians from the Caucasus region, they practice a flattening of the forehead to represent a receding skull like a viper. And they believe that this appearance gave them an aristocratic look. And the Aztecs and Mayans, they... It, what it looks like is they just copied the look probably to like mimic their Nephilim gods. But moving on, I also want to read a very interesting passage in the book of Enoch regarding the birth of Noah. So Lamech, who was Noah's father, he, he mistook the holy nature of Noah as having the physical characteristics of the Nephilim. So I want to read this passage um, from the book of Enoch. It says, and after some days, my son Methuselah took a wife for his son Lamech, and she became pregnant by him and bore him a son. And his body was white as wool and his curly hair beautiful. And as for his eyes, when he opened them, the whole house glowed like the sun. And his father Lamech was afraid of him, and he fled and went to Methuselah his father, and he said to him, I have begotten a strange son. He is not like a human being, but looks like the children of the angels of heaven to me. His form is different and not like us. It does not seem to me that he is of me, but of the angels. This is very interesting. So to close up on this topic here, we've learned quite a bit on these Nephilim and this race of giants. You know, they were scary to look at with their snake-like features, looking like the aliens that our current generation are so obsessed with. And they were a distinct race that came together with humans to spawn, you know, the secret society that ruled as the government of the antediluvian age. So, you know, this is where the lost civilization of Atlantis comes into play and, you know, the mystics and magics that ruled in that era. So I am going to end things right here. Um, we will continue on next week on this little topic or series. You know, we know now that... It was for sure the fallen angels that the scripture in Genesis 6 was talking about that went and took the human women and had these monster children with them. And that's why God came in and cut down human life to only 120 years. 
and now we know who these nephilim were so genesis chapter 6 it goes on about how wicked humankind had become which is what we linked to cain and his descendants um in the last episode you know they started all this wickedness but in next episode i do want to dive in more into what was thriving in this antediluvian atlantis era you know which it because it resulted in the great flood so you know, stay tuned for next week's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them. You can send me a message on Instagram at tillshilocome. Or if you're listening on the Anchor app, uh, you know, send me a voice note. I would love to answer your questions. Um, what else? Oh, also look out for another music mix coming up after this shortly. I hope, oh my god, I think my cat just me, so you probably hear him in the background, but... You know, have a fabulous week, guys. Um, Stay blessed, and I am signing out. Till Silo Radio.